So I am a pastor that's very organized in my messages. And the reason I am like that is because I find it really challenging to write messages. You know, coming up every week with something to say, and people are like, oh, that's really hard. And in a way, yes, it is. But really, what's hard is for me to structure it, because I'm like, oh, this thought, and then that thought, and I'm all over the place. And so what I did when I started this church is I started writing messages months in advance, like literally three months in advance before the day that I give the message. And, uh, and so the message is written, and then during the week, I go over the message, and I refine it, and I work on it, and, and just finish up a couple of final touches and make sure that this is exactly what God wants me to say. And so we've been in this sermon series, Broken, and it's about the brokenness of, of Israel in the time of Jeremiah and the brokenness of the church and the church institution and what's going on, seeing the way those two come together. And we've, well, this is our fourth sermon in it. And so during the week, I'm looking at sermon four, and I'm like, yeah, okay, sermon four, here we go. We, we got it. And it's supposed to be about Jeremiah's, the, towards the end of Jeremiah's life. And, and the basic synopsis of it is, is that Jeremiah kept on telling bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. And nobody likes a bad news person. They call him the weeping prophet for a reason. And he kept on saying bad news, and then he, um, and then, you know, it happens. The bad news happened. Israel, Israel or Judah was conquered by Babylon, and it was terrible. And so the people, after all the bad stuff happens, the people come to Jeremiah, and they say, hey, Jeremiah, this is really bad. You should pray and ask God what should happen, and what should we do? Should we stay right here where we're being controlled by the Babylonians? Should we go into exile in Babylonia? Uh, Babylon, wow, making up words. Or should we flee to Egypt? Jeremiah says, um, Jeremiah says that, that we have this moment where we, when we face crisis, we make our own decisions. We make our own decisions and we say, oh, yeah, 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 this is what, this is what God wants me to do. And then we go pray about it. Well, they asked Jeremiah to pray about it, and Jeremiah prays about it, and Jeremiah is like, well, if you go to Egypt, you will die. The problem is, they'd already decided the best course of action was to go to Egypt. So they said, well, Jeremiah, you're lying. We don't believe you again. And Jeremiah's like, seriously? Seriously? So they go off to Egypt, and guess what? That whole group of, of Judah that went to Egypt, they all died in Judah. They all did not or they all died in Egypt, they, they, their lineage actually ended. The, the Israelite in lineage in Egypt ended in that time. So, that was supposed to be the message. I just gave it to you in two seconds. Because God gave me something very different. In fact, Friday night, Saturday morning, I didn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. I was like, this is not normal. I am a 10-hour sleeper. I know, that shouldn't happen for a 40-year-old, but I'm a 10-hour sleeper, and I love sleep, but I could not sleep. I literally would stay asleep for 10 minutes, and then I'm fully awake, and there's a message on my heart, and I'm like, okay. So today's message is an interruption. It's called Broken, Sermon 5. <laughs> so it comes out of this. I met with a youth this week. And I love meeting with youth. I love meeting with anybody. If anybody feels like they just want to get together and go out for a coffee and talk about your spiritual journey and what's going on, I'm open to it. And I met with a youth this week, 
And he articulated that which I've heard from so many others. He said, Christianity isn't helping the world today. In fact, I don't even know if it's good for the world today. There's little point any longer to our meetings. They've become an echo chamber, a self-congratulating circle of insiders. All right. So I'm a pastor. (laughs) I congratulate this youth for speaking his mind. And hearing that from a teenager stung because he's telling me that which I already know as a pastor. And that's crazy. Like, come on. Like, how do I deal with this? What's going on? I'm so grateful for this meeting. See, In my heart, I've studied, and if you look at church structure, and you look at what's going on, and you look at everything the church has been involved in, you see the problems. The deeper you look, the more you go, oh my goodness. See, it rose from within me, that meeting rose from within me, a powerful articulation of that for which I already knew, and I believe we all know, but we need to be reminded of today. And the message is a message of the brokenness of the church. The brokenness of a church. And we're going to go into it, but we're not going to leave it at broken. Our next sermon series is called Healing. Thank God for healing. There's an evil in our world. And so deep and pervasive that we want to ignore it. An evil that we attempt to hold to the margins of our reality. It sits under the surface of every friendship, waiting to devour it. It's harbored on the back of every marriage, waiting to tear it down and destroy it. It's in every workplace decision, tempting us to cheat and lie and manipulate to get what we want. An evil that invades every institution known to man, every intellectual construct, every family, and every workspace. It's in every framework of every government, in every economic strategy. An evil shows itself to be in the grain of every single move humanity makes. We're aware of the suffering that happens as a result of it. We're aware of evil's injustices that are perpetuated because of it. It's bigotry, it's division, and it's devastation, and it's terror. As a society, we set ourselves against it, saying, surely we're going to overcome this evil. We create our homes as a safe space against the evil, yet somehow the bickering and the fighting still occurs inside the walls of our own house. We smooth it over with pleasures and distractions as to not awaken it too deeply. And we tell ourselves the evil can't get us here. We're safe. We attempt to build religions to help us avoid the missteps of evil, to show us the way. Moralism attempts to protect society from the power and the damage of unmitigated evil. We have Yet to see moralism, yet we've seen moralism turn to power and control. 
that our society has rejected and said no. So we redefined moralism, hoping that we could remove the evil that was in the old form of moralism, and now we have a new form. But evil seems to keep on coming, corrupting our best efforts. The church itself is not immune to evil. It's not immune to abuse. The church is not immune to the participation to the participation of even residential schools. The church is not immune to the evils that have affected the world and affected all of humanity. We're marred by the effects and the impacts of evil. We're devastated by the fact that we can't get it right. And so we divide, hoping that the next iteration solves the problem. We plant churches hoping to cut our losses, to start afresh, only to realize it's here too. It indwells us. It overwhelms us. We hate it. But more dangerously, we try to avoid it and ignore it. At times, it rises too close to home in senseless acts of violence or or sickness too strong for our qualified physicians to take care of. It overwhelms us and defeats us in the form of death. We dare not speak of it because it reminds us of its very presence. There's no escaping this evil, it seems. And so the church stands as a rally point a stronghold against the evil in the world and the evil in us. We rail against it. We fight on our battlefronts, trying to be good, trying to make it not happen to us as well. We, we, we set up organizations. We say we're going to fight against it as best as we can. And yet we, as a church, have to recognize that it invades us. We are not immune to the ravages of evil. We are not strong enough or even aware enough to lock it out. See, churches accidentally and unwittingly, and sometimes even worse, on purpose, have perpetuated injustice. Churches often create closed systems in history, as we've studied it in the history of Christianity, we've, we've, created, we've created systems too closely tied to government. We've created systems that, that exclude or, or racist systems. We've, we've created systems that, that are um, gender bias or, or systems that, uh, that continue economic disparity. We've created systems just like every other institution in the world. And in our attempt to do good, The scripture, I believe it's in Judges, holds true. It says, no one is good, not even one. Each one goes according to his own way. See, religions around the world seek to bring an end to this evil. But religion fails to defeat it. And so Christianity has said, we're going to bring an end to this evil. Well, some of Christianity did. But Christianity has failed to defeat it. And even the church can't withstand the onslaught. Broken. Empty shells of church cathedrals that had a mission 
broken. To reference Tolkien in the Two Towers, we are like the people of Middle Earth. We rally to our fortress of Helm's Deep to make our last stand. These are our church services. Through the dark night, we fight against our enemy, which holds the power of this dark age. We are the people of Helm's Deep in defense against evil, yet it rises amongst us in our ranks, calling out for us to just give up. It's even among us. It invades our walls. It's in our sanctuaries as we place pastors on pedestals and on stages, hoping they'll point us to victory. Yet if you watch the news about pastors on stages, they fall and they fall and they fall. So what will we do? My advice is that we join with the psalmist in Psalm 121. And recognize, I look to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. See, we see the evil within us, inside of our organizations, inside of our institutions when we're honest. And we come back to the Lord is your keeper who will keep you from evil. Our reliance can never be on an institution to fight against evil. Our reliance must be on God himself to fight against this evil. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. See, I have done enough self-introspection. There's, I mean, that's just a thing. It's not like a super spiritual thing. It's just a thing. I've thought about who I am and what I am and what I bring and all of that and I see the evil within me. I know of it. I am aware of it. It's, it sears my conscience. It affects my, my thoughts. My temptations are driven towards certain vices and not towards others. And you are the same. See, we see the evil within us and we join with Paul in Romans 7 and we can honestly, as a church, cry out, what a wretched man or person that I am. Who is going to deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The evil that consumes us is not something that we as a church can remove from the world. We've got to insistently and intentionally point to the one who can overcome evil and the one who is at work in all of us who bear his name. Jesus is the one who overcame death. Jesus is the one who will overcome the presence of evil. Jesus is the one who will remove evil from us, not our church systems or our meetings. None of our best laid plans will lead us to the utopian desire that we as a human people can articulate. Oh, we see it. We see the utopian desire. But only as a dream dimly lit. 
We place our hopes in economics, governmental systems, modernism, democratic socialism or capitalism, tyranny, fascism, anarchy. They've all failed to overcome the presence of evil. In every institution, in every plan forward, in every construct, there's always a fly in the ointment. There's no construct where evil doesn't invade. So in response to that reality, our culture has done the worst thing possible. We gave up. Gave up on the idea of evil ever being defeated. We became realists. We accepted a form of defeat. We resorted to do what's best for me and the world I live in. We put our head down. We circled our wagons. We, we participated in outrage from the safety of our social media accounts. We ignore the beggar on the street because his story's not our problem, and his problem is too big for us to overcome anyways. We ignore what we can't control and make our spaces smaller. We cut out toxic people from our circles in an attempt to keep the evil at bay. We reduce our circle to an echo chamber of those people who think only like us until we, like C.S. Lewis's depiction of Napoleon and the Great Divorce, we live alone in a mansion recounting all the ways that everybody else has failed us. We think we can't be held responsible for what happens outside the walls of our houses, so we, don't, so we close the door quickly. We ignore the plight of our neighbors. We remain indoors for fear that evil will affect us. We ignore the stories we hear about evil in other towns because it doesn't happen here. Until it does. Okay, well, at least it wasn't on my street. Until it was. Okay, anyways, it's not inside my house. But it is. We willfully put a hedge of protection around ourselves to shield us from the weight of evil that we feel, but we just don't want to see. We use RSPs, wealth quest, investments, consumerism, materialism, entertainment, all to block out the imposition of that evil around us. And we try our damnedest to keep it outside. And we protect our children from it. We pretend that everything's all right. So we mow our lawns and wipe down our counters. Can you see how this increases anxiety? How it creates a false sense of reality? Can you see how ignoring evil itself is an expression of evil? So we can't remove it. So we also can't ignore it. So what are we going to do? Ephesians 6, 10, 14 gives us our guidance. Finally, I love that. Once you've considered the, the depth of this, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. First, we recognize where the evil comes from. It's coming from the devil. It's, it's this personification of all evil. We don't know what looks like. We don't, know, we don't know what form it takes. We just know that there's a personification of all evil since it's absolutely everywhere. We go, okay, that is that. So that we could be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, us, you, me, take up the whole armor of God that you could be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, stand firm, therefore, 
We are the people of Helm's Deep who stand, who push against it. We are the people who are looking for that moment of light, that resurrection moment, that moment that that redeems us from all of this that we cannot. We do not have a chance of defeating, but we know if I take, if I continue the analogy of the two towers at Helm's Deep, we know that Gandalf is coming with the rest of the armies. We know that the orc and the orci are getting destroyed. We know that that moment is coming and our job is to hold firm. Stand therefore. When evil, uh, when the torrent of evil pushes us down and we get up, we hold our ground. We hold on to the greatest hope ever offered to humanity. Our God has come to save God, who actually can defeat evil. God, the one who sheds light in the darkness, and the darkness cannot bear up under it. God, the one who makes all things right. He's our help and our hope. It is to God to whom we look, because we are bereft of all other options. There's not another option for us. It's in God who our hope is found. God has promised to restore. God has promised to bring healing. God has promised to overcome and defeat death for all of us. God, the creator, is also the provider. The ideals of this utopian dream that we barely hold on to can only exist when God, the outsider, overthrows the presence of evil in the world and in us. When God removes scarcity... When God removes death, when God removes all those pressures that make us feel like we're stuck between a rock and a hard place, and he's able to provide everything. See, it's then that we're truly free. And this is the hope for which we stand on. This is why we gather. See, we can't, we can't make God do any of this any sooner or later than he's already decided. But what we can do is we can gather, remind ourselves of the hope, and remind ourselves that we're part of this showing it. So today we hold fast to our confession of faith, that trust that God is going to do it. We hold fast to that confession of faith without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. That's Hebrews 10, 23. If we hold fast to the staunch belief that evil will be defeated, even when we see the evil in ourselves, we now gather to say, God is removing it from me. We remind ourselves, like in Philippians 2, 13, that it is God who works to will and to act in you according to his good pleasure. God's the one who's shaping you to say, yeah, that evil, that expression of evil that's in you, that vice, I'm taking it from you, and I'm going to express it like this, this hope, this joy. And no, I'm not perfect yet, but there are moments that God has given me that's allowed me to stand up in the face of evil, to confront it, and to say no further. I'm stopping it here because God is working in me, and God is working in you. In this imperfected state, no, in this infected state, we stand and we fight for truth, hope, and freedom from evil, and for the benefit of all those who feel that brokenness. It's in this space, when we can honestly admit that evil exists, that now we can openly confess our participation in it. We can say, hey, guys, this is not who I want to be. I can now confess my sin, one to another, 1 John 1, 9, and see healing. 
I could confess to Christ and be clean. So we are the people who foreshadow the coming of this great salvation. We are the people, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. This is why we gather. This is our purpose. We're the people crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Yes, the evil is present. But Jesus is coming. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Foreshadow for just a moment what it looks like. And say, you see that? It's this right here. It looks like this. Oh, shoot. Okay. It looks like this. And we foreshadow moments. We hold it in, in like this, this soap bubble moment and say, it's that. It's that. Look, 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 look. Okay. It's almost that. Okay. It's this. It's this. Look at it. Look at what we did. And, and I'm not bragging here. Look at what we did for those four homeless people that hadn't laughed like that in a while because evil had overwhelmed them so deeply. Look at what we did. Yeah, it looks like that. Way bigger. Way better. Because when God comes, he removes homelessness. But it looks like that. Our mission is to be the, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. We are street actors showing the world what it will be like when God comes to save. So we have a role to play. We rally people to the hope because there is no other hope. And when he comes, he will make all things right. He will restore those who have been defeated and broken. He will restore those who have been unjustly dealt with. He will imprison those who perpetuate injustice against him. He will vindicate and validate his own, and he will rise victorious. He will remove death and fear from us, causing us to have peace. Jesus will create for us a new home a place where we will not jostle for position because to each one will be given freely. He will be our God and we will be his people and he will make his dwelling among us and we will have peace. Yep, Christianity in the church has been tasked with a great task. The task is to stand in the face of evil to lift up the banner of hope tend to foreshadow what it looks like when Jesus returns to make all things right. It's not a simple task. The evil threatens every single move we make. We can never pretend it doesn't exist. The call is for us to stand even on the verge of extinction. Though evil threatens to take us out, we stand with the hope that Jesus will return quickly. So will you stand? Will you keep on admitting that evil exists? And will you commit to push against the darkness as it encroaches on our society? Will you raise up a banner of hope and call out to those who are being beaten down and overcome by evils that God's coming to save? Will you pray for people who need this hope more than anything? Will you take today's spiritual practice, the one where you thought about what could God be asking me to do, that moment that foreshadows, creating those moments that foreshadow, that's what it looks like when Jesus makes everything right. We take those moments, lean into them, 
See, we exist as a church not because we can fix the world, but because we can lead the world to hope in the one who can. We bring relief to those who are suffering, and we foreshadow the fulfillment of God's promises. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, help me consistently listen to your voice so that the evils that exist in me can be rooted out, so that I can be an example of God's great love to those I come in contact with and not get in the way. Holy Spirit, move in my heart so that I don't think myself of any, anything greater, but I can acknowledge that evil still affects me. But I can take your lead and by Holy Spirit, your strength, I can actually work in ways and alleviate suffering from others while still acknowledging that I am not the Savior. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the one coming to fix it, and neither is this church. We're the ones who wait for you. And we wait with anticipation for your return, for your final moment that you say, yep, evil has come to an end as of today. We look forward to that. That is our hope. And until then, allow us to impact our culture in these moments that show glimpses, that show hope, that breathe life, that become contagious, that increases in momentum. Hope that our world so desperately needs today. And Jesus, I pray for all of us today that we would be people who prepare the way for you, shouting out that we can't give up hope yet, that you're coming. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, Jesus will return, and he will remove evil from this world. And until then, we are banners of that hope. Thank you very much. Have a great week. God bless you.